In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, today is temp, uh, the second Sunday of Holy Week, and it's the Sunday that we read the Gospel uh, of the temptation of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's a very common story, and we all know that this uh, is one of the first stops on our journey uh, towards the Feast of the Resurrection. Before, um, before we get into, into this, uh, His Eminence Metropolitan Serapion has asked us uh, to remind you that we're celebrating today the seventh commemoration of the departure of His Holiness Pope uh, Shenouda III. Uh, of course, he was a great leader of our church during a very difficult time period. And we will never forget what he has he's done for us, how he's brought us. I think, you know, before, right when he was ordained uh, Pope of our, of our church, there were only something like seven churches outside of Egypt. Seven. We can drive to seven now, probably within an hour. Uh, that's, Yanni, that's a, a, great, um, a great feat that happened under him. But he wasn't just a leader... He was uh, a poet, he was a wise man, he was a preacher, uh, he was very honest in his service. And we ask him to remember us in, our, in his prayers before the throne of God. Also, it's important that we recognize when tragedy strikes other people. Right? We're always aware when we have a church burned down or there's some incident that happens against us how we are persecuted but persecution towards anyone is evil persecution towards anyone is of the devil there's no one who deserves to be persecuted there's nobody who deserves to be killed and so we uh, have to remember those who were affected by the shooting in New Zealand and I, I myself sent an email uh, to the Orange County uh, Muslim Federation uh, expressing uh, our condolences. Uh, we know what it feels like to be persecuted and we also know how comforting it is to receive <coughs> condolences from someone who has stopped and thought about what's going on. I know for myself many times when things happen to us, I wondered why others did not respond as quickly or as fully or as completely as, as they should have. So I think we have to be an example in that as well. Now that great Lent is in full swing. We have to remember that we do not fast this Lent or this, this period of time. We do not fast because God is demanding this from us. God is not asking us to fast. Uh, God does not want us to suffer. God does not want us to be uncomfortable. But we fast because it is the medicine of our soul and it releases our, our, us from the enslavement of our bodies. And it allows us to be spiritually lifted up to Him. Fasting, you have to understand, is an exercise, a spiritual exercise in and of itself. What does it matter if I fast uh, and I'm not praying more or I fast and I still have sins or I fast 
and I'm still, you know, kind of stuck in my old ways. What does it matter? It matters a lot. Fasting is the first step to release you from those sins and to increase the virtue within you. Fasting is very powerful. And we're going to talk about the power of fasting after we talk a little bit about why our Savior fasted. We have in our refrain, we say, Jesus Christ fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights. What's the rest of that? To save us from our sins, right? In the Coptic, uh, to save us from our sins. How does Jesus Christ's fasting save us from our sins? Didn't his cross, his death on the cross, save us from our sins? And the blood that he spilled cleanse us from all of our sins? How does fasting save us from our sins? What is the story? When we think about it, one story in the Old Testament to relate to the temptations of Christ, what is that one important story? Nineveh. Nineveh? It is a story, and it is related to the temptation. Fasting is important with that. There's one, it is as if Christ is fasting 40 days and 40 nights to respond to this one story that happened. No. No. Noah? No. Huh? No. No. Responding. It is the story of Adam and Eve. This is very important. This isn't uh, this isn't Bible trivia. This is very important. This is this is important theology. In the story of Adam and Eve, just to remind you, it said the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman. Did God say, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the trees of the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing God, knowing good and evil. So, women, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband and he ate. Fasting was implemented from the very beginning. We're going we're gonna to talk about fasting because sometimes when we complain about fasting, we don't realize how vital it was. It was even in the garden before the fall. It was given to those who were living in paradise as a rule, as a way of life. Fasting was the rule and it was essential. 
and in fasting. Adam and Eve were given this law not to eat of this particular fruit. The problem became The problem became that when, so what Jesus is doing is he is coming to be the perfect man or the perfect human who follows the will of God. And when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they did not follow the will of God. What ended up happening was the fall. So Jesus comes to reverse us from this. We can turn on the air conditioner. So if Jesus, Jesus came to reverse this, to show us what it means to follow in the path of God. And we see the things that Eve did, Jesus is doing the exact opposite. First thing, this, the serpent begins to speak with Eve. And Eve begins to speak with the serpent. But you see, our Savior doesn't speak to the serpent. What does he do? He's, he just responds by reciting the word of God. As if someone is talking and he says to himself, I'm not going to listen to you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. All of these passages were taken from the book of Deuteronomy. Ours, one of the most important books of the Old Testament. And not only did he know it, he memorized it. It was... It was something that he knew, he had studied, and it was there right away for him to use as a weapon against Satan in times of temptation. We have to come back to reading the Word of God and memorizing it and allowing it to become the way we speak. The way we speak. <clears throat> you can tell. You can tell what somebody is reading, what somebody is listening to, what they are consuming with their ears and with their eyes by what comes out of them. By what comes out of them. If somebody is reading the Psalms, if somebody is meditating on the Word of God, if someone always has uh, a story from a saint, this is, what, this is what is occupying their minds. And this is what we need to occupy our minds with. So when Satan speaks to Christ, he doesn't even respond to him. He doesn't even acknowledge him. Next thing is that we find that Eve has come upon the world and has, is seeing the world in a different way than what God had created it to be. How so? If you read chapters 1 and 2 and 3 of, of the book of Genesis you find out number one that it says in the center of the garden in the center of the garden was the tree of life this was supposed to be the center of their world but we find that Eve is not focusing on the tree of life but what is she focusing on she's found near the one tree that she's not supposed to be near and she's finding herself in this place where uh, she's enamored by the one thing that she's not supposed to care about. God gave her so many other things to think about and do and to, and, to, and to fixate on the tree of life being the most important. For us, 
the tree of life is the cross. And the fruit of the tree of life is Jesus Christ. That's the center of our world. That's what we focus on. But Eve is focusing on something else. And Jesus Christ reverses this. His focus, his aim, his goal is to do the will of God. To do the will of God. Eve is not focusing on doing the will of God and she's not being wise. And this is even Adam, by the way. We, we, we can't blame it just on Eve. It's Adam's sin too as well. So when we talk about Eve, we're just, just talking about the story. But both Adam and Eve fell. So Eve fixated on not doing the will of God. Fixated on what is exactly not the will of God. The exact opposite. And Jesus Christ goes into the wilderness not like on a hiking trail. He goes where, he says, where the wild beasts are. In the Gospel of Mark, goes where the wild beasts are. And in going where the wild beasts are, that means he is in the harshness of the reality of this world. And he is accepting it, but also understanding that the center and the focus is to do the will of God. In a word, it doesn't matter how rough life is, you still can follow and do the will of God. And he himself fasts, showing us that this is what we ought to have done from the very beginning. And he doesn't do this, I don't want you to think for a second that he does this because he is God. And so he's able to sort of disconnect his mind and his stomach from the reality of what it means not to eat and drink for 40 days and 40 nights. And that he, you know, he kind of is just pretending to be a human being. We know, now going back to the stories like you were saying of Moses and of Elijah, both of them were able to fast for 40 days in the presence of God. Another story that we kind of gloss over the verse very quickly is the story of the 5,000. The story of the 5,000 right before Christ fed them. It says in the story... (coughs) that they were following him for now two or three days and haven't eaten anything. So they too were being sustained by being in the presence of God. And a meditation was that if Israel, if Israel, when they were in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, if they meditated and understood that God was with them If they didn't complain about not having the food of Egypt, they too would have been sustained on the presence of God. And 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 a fourth point, a fourth point, just to be very honest with ourselves, very few of us, if any of us, have really experienced hunger. Yeah, there's hunger, but there's not hunger that I haven't eaten in a couple of days. Think about the disciples when they were walking through the fields and eating. The corn. It wasn't that they were just snacking. They were hungry. This is something, there's food. Finally, there's food. And Jesus hungered. That hunger, I mean, we're told, we're told to fast until 3 p.m. And how many of us can make it until noon? Or how many of us can make it if we wake up really early until 10 a.m.? We're told to fast, to feel hunger and to feel thirst. And this is supposed to rejuvenate, give life to our souls. So what our Savior does is completely human and completely possible and completely capable. And I want us to use it as encouragement. So, he doesn't talk to the serpent. The center of his world is, is, Jesus, is God. 
And lastly, he doesn't test God. He doesn't test God. Eve, in this way, is testing God. Satan comes, Satan comes to her with... Um, uh, Satan comes to Eve and he says, you know, God, this is what God is really saying. This is what God is really believing. This is really what God wants for you or this is really what God ha- is worried about that you are going to be like him. Um, you know, just, just eat. You know, this is, this is good for you. This isn't a bad thing. And so many times, so many things come to our mind that we think it's okay, it's good, this is right, this is fine for us to do this. When, when Satan took Christ to the pinnacle of the temple, the pinnacle, it's not like a steeple, it's like this really, it's this part of the temple that's on a cliff. It's the high point, of, and there's a cliff underneath it. Actually, James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, was thrown off the pinnacle. That's how he was killed. Now he's brought there and he said, throw yourself down and, and then he starts reciting scripture. So Satan is also somebody who knows scripture. So Christ is teaching us to learn scripture and if we can't learn from Christ we should even know that our enemies know scripture. Satan knows scripture and is using it and says, look, this is what the word of God is. Why don't you test it out? And Jesus says, no. That's not how the, what the word of God is to be used like. And so many people take verses from the Bible this is a promise and they say God you have to do this because it's written in the Bible and then when God doesn't do it we're upset with God and angry because he's not doing what he said he would do in the word of God that's not what scripture is to be used for and ultimately through this process of these three temptations we haven't even gone into the temptations themselves but through these temptations Christ is reorienting us towards God and he's teaching us that this is how we overcome our sins. When it says that he fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights to save us from our sins, is he showing us the path to victory? Now, of course, it's completed through his blood on the cross, but our spiritual struggle is essential to the central process, to this process of our salvation. Two weeks ago, I gave you a word. The word for that week was what? Forgiveness. It's only two weeks ago. It's not too long ago. Forgiveness. This, this week is struggle. Is struggle. Remembering the words of St. Paul when he wrote to, to his letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 4. He said, You have not yet resisted sin until bloodshed. We're not at that point yet. We have not yet given our life completely willing to spill our blood for the sake of resisting against sin. We have to struggle. We have to fight. And this is so essential for us in our day and age. It is more important for us and for our kids in our day and age. In our day and age, everything is accessible and the peer pressure is so strong and we have our, our, our kids and our families saying, I want this, I want that. And we're in this consumer uh, culture where we just want, want, and we're consuming. And what we're consuming is not making us happy. So we're consuming more and trying to get more and trying to have happiness from more things. And we're finding out that that's not the solution at all to what is going on in our lives. The, the saying, less is more, is completely true. Less is more. And when we can begin to start cutting off 
the bonds that are enslaving us, whether it is social media, whether it is materialism, whether it is status, whether it is wealth, whether it is our career, whatever it is that becomes the focus and the center of our world, becomes that tree that Eve was hanging out around, where we spend most of our time thinking about it, most of our day focused on it, we, we have to take the fast now to release ourselves from that entirely. Jesus Christ leaves everything. And this is right after His baptism. And right be, before His ministry. And He spends this time focused on God. There is a wonderful uh, set of homilies from St. John Chrysostom. It was in one of my, I believe it was in my recommendations for reading. It's called Unrepentance and Almsgiving uh, by a series called The Fathers of the Church. Um, it's, it's published by Catholic University of America. And in one of his homilies, he speaks about Jonah, he speaks about the Ninevites. And he says to Jonah, go and preach to the Ninevites. And this is something I didn't see before. I, I totally missed this. And when, no, and when Jonah goes, he preaches to them, he says, three days and God will destroy you. That's the word of God. That's not Jonah making it up. But fasting <coughs> completely changed what God had intended to do. Fasting, the fasting of the Ninevites completely changed what God had intended to do. And St. John Chrysostom says, fasting cancels God's decisions. I, I, it sounds crazy. Uh, obviously God does not change his mind, right? But we're trying to understand in a human way that, you, you know, the message basically was, if, if you don't change, this is what's going to happen. And for us, we have to understand through the examples of the Old Testament how strong fasting is and how powerful it is in our lives. We have the fasting of the three youth before they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And St. John Chrysostom says the fasting changes the fire into paradise. The fiery furnace is changed into paradise. Does that make sense? How they fasted, they refused to eat the food of the king. They said, we are going to eat our own food and we're going to, do, we're going to eat uh, the, our food and test us to see if we're not stronger than the other people. And so in their fasting and keeping kosher and keeping their laws, even though they lived among the Babylonians, this fasting became power to them to change the fiery furnace into paradise. What does that mean for us in our lives? The difficulties that we live in. The difficulties that we live in and that we struggle through. We need fasting to help us and to change whatever it is that we're going through. Protects us from the lion's den. From the lion's den. That Daniel also was able to overcome and to be victorious. Even though he was thrown to the lions and the lions had not eaten for seven days he still was able to walk out untouched because of what fasting did for him.
Fasting expels demons. As, Je- as Jesus said to us, this kind cannot come out except through fasting and prayer. Fasting destroys the madness of our passions, of our lusts, of our desires. Fasting returns us to freedom and gives great peace and calm to our thoughts and to our minds. And he gives so many wonderful examples. And he says to us, don't think, don't think that you're fasting, it's difficult in the place that you are and that you can't do it and don't blame the surroundings. He, he gives us several examples in another homily. He says, Adam, who lived in paradise as if in a harbor, a beautiful harbor, was shipwrecked because he wasn't able to, to fast. Yet, but he says, Lot, who was living in Sodom, in the worst place, was able to find salvation. And then by the way, he doesn't say it here, but if you think, in the city, in Sodom, Lot was able to find salvation and was able to be saved. But when he leaves and he's in the wilderness, he falls into sin, if you know that story. Job, even though he was rich and wealthy, found his salvation through his fasting and his suffering. Saul, who was found in the midst of the treasuries, Saul, who was uh, the king of Israel, fell out of both the heavenly and earthly kingdom. He says, it's not a defense for anyone to say, I cannot live in the world and in the midst of so many concerns and be saved. However, what is the cause for this? And he says, it is because you do not attend continually to your prayers. And he also speaks about the divine gathering of coming to church. For us, fasting is a necessary tool. There's no way to overcome. And if I can, I know I'm going a little bit long, but let me talk to you about fasting outside of the Christian faith. Fasting outside of any Christianity. Uh, Many of you are familiar in some way, shape, or form with, uh, with, with Gandhi and what he was able to do in India. Essentially, the British uh, had enslaved the people of, of India. They were a colony and there was a lot of force and there was a lot of brutality that came from what was called a Christian government, the British government being Christian. And he put it in his mind that he was going to convert the British government not to his faith but he was going to convert them to non-violence through his asceticism it wasn't what he said and if you really study his movement it wasn't what he said it was that he was celibate and the way that he, he was ascetical in his life And that asceticism has been studied in books. And there's even a a very thick study, which I have to read, unfortunately. Unfortunately, because it was just just a lot of time and it was really dense. But it was the ascetical activism of Gandhi. Why am I saying all this? Because we have in our hands a tool that has been given to us and has been tried and true in our church for thousands of years. And we have lost... (coughs) our ability 
to imagine the power that has been given to us through this tool. And I'm bringing you the example of Gandhi because he was successful. And it was such a central part of his mission of non-violence, the asceticism that he lived and that he did and that he had in his life. He was able to change an entire continent of people. If we follow what has been given to us and look at it as as a grace, as a gift, and not as something that we're being tortured by, and why do we have to fast 55 days, and Christ only fasted 40 days, and if we can look at it and understand what has been given to us, we'll understand that we're having something of great power and great value, not only to us personally, but to our homes, to our society, to our community, if we could take it seriously and to live by it and not be embarrassed about it and not make, uh, and not make excuses but to try and work very hard to live what has been given to us so that God can be glorified through our fast I have to tell you something else we were in the grocery store I'm buying groceries and my kids every now and again say is that fasting, is that fasting, is that fasting and, I, I, and that's all good I like that, I'm glad that we're thinking about it I'm glad they're thinking about it and they're sensitive to it but we have to remember what is fasting and what is not fasting. It's fasting, the, the, the food does not fast. Does, you know, like, how do I say this? Fasting is no food, right? It's not the food is fasting. We are fasting when we eat no food and when we drink no drink. That's fasting. When you get a blood test and they say you have to fast, and you say, is that, is that, can I have almond milk? Can I have soy milk? Can I eat? No, no, no. Fast. What do you, you don't know what the word fast means? Fast means nothing, right? If the medical field and other places we can understand what fasting is, we have to understand what fasting is in the church. And when we talk about fasting in the church, the 40 days and 40 nights, we have to remember, you are part of the Coptic Orthodox Church. The Coptic Orthodox Church loves fasting. If you found yourself here by accident, I can tell you other Orthodox churches that are nice, that are good, that do not put fasting as central, and and you can be happy there. But this is our our thing. And we picked the longest tradition. There were different traditions. And we have even today the Catholic tradition and the other Orthodox traditions. But at the time, there were the different traditions. And we picked the Palestinian tradition, which was 55 days. And it wasn't because it was just long. The 55 days was meant to be Monday through Friday, fasting, till 3 p.m. No food, no drink, uh, to the best of your ability, until 3 p.m. Saturday and Sunday were cheat days. Saturday and Sunday you could have breakfast. And so that's not a fasting day. So it wasn't considered a fasting day. But we remained vegan. So for eight weeks... Monday, five days for eight weeks is 40 days. Those are the fasting days. Saturday and Sunday are not considered fasting. The days that you take breakfast are not considered fasting. Right? So we're fasting as much as possible. And, and, and I know, I know, everyone according to your spiritual father, go and speak to your spiritual father. But we have to have the principle. We can't live off of exceptions. The principles, the rules, what is the rule, we have to understand and if, if one person among us is able to do it, let him or her do it, right? I mean, that will bring blessings and glory to all of us. 
And to, us, to those that are not able to do it, understand the loss. Understand what it is that we're missing. And for those of you who are young and able to do it, do it now before you get to be in a state of health that you can't do it anymore. Do it while you can. And if your kids are asking you to fast, let them fast. They will not die if they, if they don't have a cup of milk for a couple of weeks. And now with all of the science and stuff where you can get your calcium in a pill and whatnot, there are other ways that they can uh, grow to be strong and healthy. But if they want to fast, let them fast. And if they're slow to fast, encourage them to fast. And fasting is not just about food. Multimedia is a big thing as well. And I'm going to be repeating this until it, you're going to say to, to me, you're a broken record, Abuna, you're just going over the same thing over and over and over again. A broken record for you guys who don't know what a broken record is. It's, it's when they're, it's, it keeps repeating. It, keeps, it doesn't go to the next... So just repeating over and over, that's a broken record. Um, but for us, let's take this seriously. For each and every one of us, look to your right, look to your left. We're fasting not just for us, but we're fasting for the community. We're fasting for, for fasting for society. May God be glorified in our fast, and may we be able to offer to Him a true and honest, honest fast, repenting from all of our hearts and returning to what it is that He created us to be, not like Adam and Eve, but returning to what Christ has recreated us to be, to have God as the center, not to speak to Satan, to memorize scripture, to be able to understand how scripture is to be used, and to do all to the glory and honor of the will of God. To Him be the glory now and ever into age of all ages. Amen. Yeah.